The Nonprofit Happy Hour is a weekly look at Portland's nonprofits and do gooders with interviews, music, and documentaries. You're listening to the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X Ray FM, brought to you by the Media Institute for Social Change, a public interest media lab that works to inspire, empower, and engage emerging media producers. Learn more online at mediamakingchange.org. I'm Carly Meisberger. Today, we're talking to Ty Carpenter from Don't Shoot Portland, another organization in this year's Willamette Week Give Guide. To donate, please go to giveguide.org. This is Phil Bussey. It's the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X-Ray FM. I am talking to Ty Carpenter, who is board president for Don't Shoot PDX, uh, who are, I assume, very busy right now uh, as well. They are part of the current Willamette Week's Give Guide. Uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Phil. How are you? Good, good. So Don't Shoot PDX uh, has been around for six years. Um, Portland police uh, have a disturbing history. Uh, de- decades, decades long. Um, it's been chronic. What, what, what was it in 2014 that gave rise to this organization at that time? So um, Teresa Rayford, who's the founder and also my mom, um, she started uh, advocating and organizing under Don't Shoot Portland um, actually in 2010, but didn't establish a nonprofit until 2014 um, when she had her, like when she was arrested. Um, so she established the nonprofit to sort of, um, you know, get her grounding there and then was able to do more, um, after she got the nonprofit status, but before it was literally just her, um, organizing folks and people that had been affected by gun violence and they didn't know where to turn. Um, and she, it's not as if she was, um, well seasoned. It was more like she was motivated by trauma as well to advocate so it's um, it's difficult to navigate that when you've never been in that position before, um, you know. And so I think she just she only knows how to help. So she started from that, and 2014 is when it all became official. And and um, don't shoot PDX uh, is is addressing a number of issues. Um, if, if I can try to create an umbrella, could I say it's about lack of accountability, or or how would can you pull all the issues together? I mean, really, I think it's just human rights, um, you know, racial injustice, um, discriminatory policies. Um, it's 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 a lot, and a lot of people don't even realize they're being discriminated against like their whole lives. They just think that they've been um, unable to catch up or unable to move forward. But really, it's like the trauma of being a black or a brown person in Portland specifically, um, our obstacles are unique here. And uh, in addition to that, you know, we've helped with like poverty, uh, community feed-ins, clothing closets. We do legal referrals just to get people um, access to the legal system because that is another tool that is very um, intimidating for some people to take legal action, especially when you know that you've been discriminated against, but you feel like you don't have power to really do anything about it. So. we do a lot of legal advocacy, community advocacy, and human rights and social justice work. Um, we also work within the archives. 
So we use a lot of uh, history and preservation and um, works like that. So we kind of do everything. <laughs> do you do you find that it's it's more reactive or can can it be proactive? The work that we do. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Um, the fact that I mean it's the world we live in, you know, it's ugly, but it's just the harsh reality that we face. Um, so I feel like we're instilling a lot of uh, truth and motivation and inspiration to people, especially our youth, because they're growing up and they're learning uh, history repeats itself. They're learning why their situation is what it is right now. Um, whereas most people, they don't even realize that this is the system is working as it's designed. Uh, if that makes any sense. So I feel like the work that we do, it exposes children to new, to new spaces that they wouldn't usually be into. Um, it shows them how to be a community. Like when I was younger, we used to run outside and we wouldn't go home until the lights were off. Or if I went to my grandma's house, there could be 10 other neighborhood kids there. You know what I mean? Like, and those were my cousins or they were just kids that were just always around. Um, you, don't really, you don't really see that anymore. So I think that our children, they really need to learn it's okay that you know that person's name walking down the street. It's okay that you can help this random person that you don't know. We don't have to be afraid of each other just because we don't know one another. So making our kids work together, making them learn history before they make their signs, uh, bringing them to the museums, bringing them to the archives, having them ask questions, watching them uh, gravitate towards certain exhibits, um, certain books, like that's, you know, that's powerful because you can see the kind of adults they're gonna be based on their actions right now. They're little sponges. <laughs> Do you mind if we roll back a bit and you, and, and you share uh, your mom's story? Um, mm -hmm. to give some grounding to where Don't Shoot PDX came from? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so in 2010, my little cousin, which is her nephew, um, was murdered in gun violence. And this was in Old Town, Portland. And um, his name was Andre Payton. We grew up together. Um, he went through a lot of different um, school programs. He was super smart, super artistic, loved music. Um, was involved in a lot of extracurricular activities from the schools. And when he was murdered, that's why it was such a shock and it was just such a blow um, because, you know, um, looking at it from an outside lens, everything was going fine. You know, he's a smart kid, he's got friends, he's in these programs that are supposed to, you know, help black youth, um, things like that. But it ended up being that he was actually like a victim of a failed system. Um, we still don't even know who, his, you know, who murdered him. The lack of investigation and the lack of care is what, um, it's what made my mom realize that this is not just a one-off issue. This is not just, um, you know, this is something that could have been prevented, but they don't want to because I feel like the programs that he was a part of and the community policing programs and things like that, the partnerships that happen in our black communities, the surveillance, um, I think they rely on numbers of children to be at risk or marginalized. They rely on those children so that they can project how many gang members we're going to have, or so they can project how many um, informants we need to have, or, you know, like just keeping track of children like that because they make money for saying that we have an issue with this, or we have communities that are in despair over here. Same with our houseless issue, um, you know, like it's all a hustle and it's very disappointing and it's very sad to see um, our city uh, being run like that. So 
Don't Shoot Portland started out of that and just trying to help uh, build up community and, you know. So, so, so Don't Shoot Pete, Portland is not just about police violence. It's about yeah. a system. Yeah, it's a system and just, just um, being able to educate on what's going on and not just with the, not just with law enforcement, but with like our educational systems, uh, the school to prison pipeline, um, you know, the fact that our children are, you know, leading the nation in low graduation rates and our communities aren't taken care of in so many ways. We've been working with the indigenous communities um, most recently for the last few months supplying their needs and running down PPE, water. They're building tiny homes for people that lost their homes in the wildfires. Um, we just brought down 12,000 pounds of concrete. Um, wow. Things like that, like they're not getting assistance from, from um, the government that they should because they're unincorporated uh, reservations and they don't even get the resources that they're requesting. And there's all there's so many ways to approach these issues, uh, media attention, legislative change, lawsuits. How, how do you choose, uh, I mean, given that uh, your organization has only so many resources and so much time, how do you choose which course of action to take? I mean, I think things just fall into place because we're literally just a few people. Like it's, you know, um, a small board group of us and we we sort of just react out of um i mean i don't even know the word for it um it, it's i mean it's like it's strategical but also it's just like when when tragedy happens like that's the line of work that we're in we just sort of react um you know because people's lives are on the line so uh, my mom does like suing <laughs> she likes to file lawsuits because she wants to you know work within the system to see to show on the record that we've presented these problems here's the evidence on the record here's what you can do about it here's what we're you know re requesting the audits show this the proof shows this you're in the wrong um she wants to draw all that into the courts into the court system and i do think that that's successful i think that that's how we can raise awareness to people outside of portland um, that's how we can create a blueprint for others too, that are dealing with <laughs> all of it. Um, but basically, you know, like our lawsuits that are happening right now, uh, they've become a blueprint for so many across the world because people are starting to really take the cause of like RCAs seriously. They're starting to look into the studies about, um, people's menstruational patterns being, um, messed up, miscarriages happening. Um, you know, I feel like people weren't really uh, emphasizing on that as much as they should have. And then when our lawsuit came out, I think it kind of, it brought a lot more attention to the fact that we were being poisoned. And, and excuse me if this is a little overly simplistic question, but, but I think it, the, the answer can be interesting. Who do you sue? The government. Right. I mean, do you sue, do you sue the city? Do you sue the state? Well, right now we're suing the city. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's where the root of the problem is. So you got to climb that, you know, that chain of command and bring it to court. And if it becomes federal, then that's even, you know, that's, that's where you want it to get. And, and uh, before we take a, a music break, I, I want to talk a little bit about uh, the, the city. Um, 
because local politics, I mean, it's a very, it's, it's as, as diverse a place as the people that are there. Uh, and city council, uh, this is the first time that there's a truly diverse city council coming up uh, in this, this, this next session. Joanne Hardesty, Carmen Rubio. Um, does that provide optimism? Where, where, does, where does Don't Shoot Portland fit into those, that local uh, city council? Well, I mean, as a 501c3, we don't really get involved. I mean, personally, I'm not speaking on, um, like, you know, politics and whatnot, but I don't always think that just because um, there's diversity in a place means that it's, that those people are looking out for their communities. Um, I do believe that folks are tokenized um, and gatekeepers, and I don't always just say, oh, like, there's some color up there. Like, that's good for me, because I've been proven time and time again that just because someone looks like me, unfortunately, does not mean they have my best interests in mind. And that's another perspective that I've had to learn, and I'm growing and learning as I um, become more uh, associate, like more involved, I would say. Just being back in Portland in the last year, it's been a whirlwind of, <laughs> we've got a lot going on in the city. So um, yeah, I think I used to believe that, you know, seeing a little bit of diversity on the city council was good. And now I'm starting to look at those individuals specifically as we should, not just like, oh, well, she's gonna bring diversity. She's gonna bring this and that. Like, look at that person's track record. See who they actually represent and see who they actually invest in. And, and, and you know, along those, that, that vein, Joanne Hardesty obviously has a, a 30 year history of, with, with Cop Watch and with, with other organizations on police accountability. Um, does that provide opportunities uh, for change within, in, within that avenue that don't shoot Portland pursues, or is that is that not necessarily the avenue for change that you guys are going down? I mean, thirty years sounds a little too long. There needs to be some fresh blood in there. <laughs> um, I I don't believe that the uh, most of the people that we have in positions, I don't believe that they speak for us. Um, I still think we need to do a whole a, a change over in city hall and city council. Who would you have in city council? Oh, I, I don't have an answer for that. I'm sorry. <laughs> Ty Carpenter is the board president for Don't Shoot Portland. You brought in a music selection. Do you want to set it up for us? What, what did you choose and, and uh, what does this song mean to you? Um, yeah, so it's FUBU by Solange. And I just think it's a beautiful song. Um, it resonates very deeply with me. Uh, it's what I put on when I'm cruising and I'm, you know, still living this real, this very real life, but I'm able to sort of breathe a little easier and um, yeah, it inspires me. It motivates me. So I think it's a really good song. Sounds like something we can all use. Thank you. 
It's your call, liquor in my system, we must draw Addiction, disobey the law Don't clip my wings before I learn to fly I didn't come back down to earth to die I'm an in the whole wide world Made the song to make it all yours
This is Phil Bussey. It's a nonprofit happy hour on X-Ray FM. Ty Carpenter is board president for Don't Shoot Portland, uh, a, a busy and diverse organization that is also, if you want to support them, is part of Willamette Week's Give Guide, uh, which is still going on. Um, I want to just provide some some uh, nuts and bolts about Don't Shoot Portland. You you guys have a location now, Albina Art Center. Yes, um, we're on 18 Northeast Killingsworth. And and uh, what what does that what does that center do? What is that is that something people could just walk up to? I mean, obviously not during COVID, but but could walk up to during normal times. What's what's going on at the office? So that's where we have our printmaking studio. Um, that's where we make a lot of our posters, tote bags. Um, it's mainly being used since COVID for um, distribution. So we have a lot of people show up. We've got um, giant stacked shelves, actually that the City of Portland Archives gave us. <laughs> I was like so thankful for those. Um, and they're filled to the floor to ceiling with uh, PPE supplies, masks, uh, hand sanitizer, gloves, lots of pantry items. We have a clothing closet as well. Um, you know, so we basically are, we're just working out of there for like mutual aid. We used to have the kids in there all the time and we would um, have our doors open all week for folks to come by because we are uh, close to the, the shelter on MLK up on, it's the old mid K. But um, so we used to have folks come by a lot and they would charge their phones before they went to the shelter or we would feed, uh, you know, order a bunch of food for everyone. But since COVID, of course, that's changed. And um, yeah, it's mostly just you can come in and fill your car up and go distribute things to some camps around. And 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 there was a children children's art and social justice council. Is that still going on? Yeah, it is. Um, we're actually wrangling all the kids right now for our MLK march in January. Um, we do it every year, and with COVID and everything, we're still planning it but trying to plan accordingly so um it'll be nice because since juneteenth we haven't had um our youth really involved so they're i know they're excited and looking forward to doing something and and uh let's let's wrap up our conversations by by talking a little bit about this past summer what was don't shoot portland's role in in marches uh and protest over the summer um and and how do you feel as if lasting change did or did not come out of what what all the attention and and the um the activities um i mean i think that the message rang loud and clear you know i think that i mean i still are noticing black lives matter uh, all over our city people haven't taken their signs down just yet so um i think that people are understanding the message and um you know initially a lot of people are like oh well these um these marches were uh, looking so good for TV and you know they were just so peaceful and etc I'm like there's no such thing as a peaceful protest because I've I've seen police provoke I've seen the violence that they inflict on people holding a sign you know what I mean um, so I don't believe in a peaceful protest whenever I see that that term coined I just know that it's um, it's propaganda <laughs> so a lot of people like to say oh maybe the message got lost and those first protests were so good. What happened? Those were the cops <laughs> gaslighting you by putting on their own little protests and having people play as puppets. And that's fine because you're getting the message out. But at the end of the day, if you've been in this fight for Black Lives longer than just this summer, then you 
you know what it's about. It's about the action on the street. It's about building up your community so that we can support each other despite whatever is going on. Um, you know, our resistance community has always been very active and, you know, uh, community service, like that's what we do at the end of the day. Like that's what we do. The protests um, that we lead, we always let kids lead our marches. We had Juneteenth and that's been, that's been it. We were helping with other uh, protests as well and supplying kids with blow horn, uh, bullhorns and uh, protest signs and banners and whatever else they needed. But yeah, we're hoping for MLK March. Are you, are you optimistic or pessimistic about changes in the next year or two? I mean, I think all we can do is just continue to um, work with our youth and see inspiration in the programming and how it impacts them. Because that's what keeps me going. Um, you know, our reality is that, you know, black lives don't matter. They don't matter here. Um, I've lived here my whole life. I left for a little bit, I came back. I was, um, my mind was blown by the city that I was like in love with and grew up in to come back and see um, how insidious the racism is here. It, it does inspire me to work harder and the kids are what motivate me, you know? Um, so I think as long as we can keep pushing the message through art and through history and showing that this is real, this is on the record, this is what we're fighting for, this is how we're gonna do it then I think we're doing pretty good. We're raising up some new leaders and they're radical and they know their history, they know what they're doing and they're not influenced by some other agenda. Ty Carpenter is board president for Don't Shoot Portland. Now you guys, uh, your organization is part of the Give Guide as I've mentioned. Um, there's a lot of great organizations that are in the Give Guide. Uh, if somebody's thinking about giving $50, can you give a pitch uh, for, for why it should be your organization. Yes, because our kids need art supplies. Uh, we need to keep filing lawsuits. We need to keep helping families navigate when their landlords are being uh, racist or trying to evict them. Uh, every day we get calls from people that need us to respond. And while we're handling all that, our bandwidth is so limited. Um, like I said, it's myself, my mom, three other board members and our lawyers. <laughs> so, you know, it all helps support us. We are just so thankful, and especially to the Give Guide because this is our first year in it. So, thank you. A uh, small group with a big impact. Don't shoot Portland. Thank you for taking the time to speak with us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Beginning today, Don't Shoot Portland is starting their annual Not Black Friday programming with Mother's Bistro, partnering with local chefs in Portland's best restaurants to feed their community. From today until the end of January, please email contact at don'tshootpdx.org if you have a location in need or would like to volunteer. The Nonprofit Happy Hour is made possible by Beneficial State Bank, a certified B Corps that holds to what it calls a triple bottom line of social justice, environmental well-being, and economic sustainability. If your organization or business is interested in underwriting our show, please email phil at mediamakingchange.org. The Nonprofit Happy Hour is a production of the Media Institute for Social Change and KXRY Radio, X-Ray FM. Our host is Phil Bussey. Our executive producer and editor is me, Carly Meisberger. Archives of past shows can be found on our SoundCloud page. 
questions, comments, or ideas about the show can be sent to info at mediamakingchange.org. Thanks for tuning in. 